The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today and tomorrow and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. I ask this morning, as always, that we join our hearts together in prayer. Living God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I remember when I was a little child, probably early elementary school age, I had a very vivid imagination and I loved to daydream. I still love to daydream. That hasn't, that hasn't changed all that much. But for some reason, when I would daydream, I would go through phases of wanting to stay in the same daydream for a while. And one phase in particular came back to me this week. I had a phase where I liked to lay on my back in the family room, uh, on, on the ground, but even better, if I could, I would lay on the ottoman that was at the foot of my mom's chair. And I'd lay with my head hanging backwards over the edge of it. And I would lay there so I could see my whole house turned upside down. I remember doing this one time and getting really concerned because as I laid there, looked around, I said, wait a second, our house upside down is the exact same as my friend Teddy down the street. And I got really worried and I like, went to my dad and for some reason was very concerned about which came first. Are we the upside down house or is Teddy the upside down house? And I don't remember the answer to that question, but I learned the lesson that day about architecture and floor plans and the way that people built houses in neighborhoods. But on other occasions when I would lay there hanging upside down, I would have this fantasy of a sudden moment where all of a sudden the world was turned upside down, where the ceiling was now the floor. And I would lay there seeing all of our worldly possessions would crash to the ceiling And I would imagine the ottoman was now laying on top of me as I tried to adjust to this new orientation of life. I lay there and imagine the mess and the chaos, but I'd also imagine what would stay the same. Now that pile of magazines and the furniture, that would all fall to the ceiling, but you know, that fireplace, that wouldn't move. That's brick and it wasn't going anywhere. The carpet would stay put, I'd imagine. Some some dust and dog hair is probably going to fall down, but the carpet, the carpet would stay. It was a dizzying and disorienting fantasy that I would enjoy until I rolled back over and found the world just as I left it. The world turned upside down. 
It's a silly thought, but can you imagine it? What would it look like if in a moment today, our sanctuary was turned upside down? Carpet would probably stay. Pulpit seems fairly bolted down, and these altar railings, I think, would, would hang on. The bolts on our pews might get tested a little bit to see if they would suffice. But we would take a tumble. We would fall, along with hymnals, with our beautiful banners. All of it would fall to its new home there on the floor. Can you imagine how much of a mess it would be if the world turned upside down? Now, mentally, lay on your back. for You don't have to do this in the pews. Mentally, lay on your back for a moment and daydream with elementary Alex. Think for a moment about your home, your office, your favorite restaurant, your go-to stores, your world turned upside down. What would fall? What would stay? What is bolted to the floor? What is structural and sound? And what would tumble into this newfound chaos? It would be quite disruptive if our resonance is all turned upside down, right? No one's, anybody want to run home today and try that? Turn your house upside down and see what happens from there? No, I didn't think you would. Uh Uh-oh, enter Jesus, the Son of God, Prince of Peace, a known world upside down turner. It might seem like the weird daydream of a first grader, but turning the world upside down was kind of Jesus' specialty. A woman is caught in adultery and is brought to Jesus to be stoned, and yet he says, you without sin cast the first stone. That is the world turned upside down. Jesus preaches to the people that the poor are blessed and the rich will be sent away empty. That is the world turned upside down. Jesus heals the blind, the unclean, the bleeding, the lame, the deaf, the dead. That is the world turned upside down. Jesus says his father's house is not to be the place for bribery, corruption, and money changing, so he flips tables and chases livestock with a whip. That is the world turned upside down. Jesus comes preaching a message of grace and peace, yearning to be the mother hen that gathers the brood in the midst of a world of occupation and violence where power is held only by those who can bully and oppress the best. That is the world turned upside down. Jesus standing with the sinners, the broken, the poor, and the outsider. Jesus whose birth was heralded by the smelly shepherds on the fringe of society. Jesus who proclaims forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. That is the world turned upside down. God in flesh, who came to our world not in power or might or splendor or awe, but came to be a servant to all and to love abundantly, even to the point of God's own self being hung on the cross to die. That is the world turned upside down. Jesus Christ striding out from the place of death, proclaiming resurrection and hope, ascending to his rightful place, present with us even today in water, word, bread, and wine. That is the world turned upside down. Each time these things happened, a mess was created. Jesus changed everything. Friends, 
the couch is on the ceiling. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Honor and shame, life and death, righteousness and sin, all turned upside down. A message I share again and again about Jesus and his life and ministry is this. Jesus wasn't killed because he was a nice guy who said nice things. Jesus preached a revolutionary message of grace, hope, and peace. And this message challenged the most powerful people in his world. It was a world-turning message, and that is what got him killed. And today, Jesus is calling each of us into this same risky business of turning the world upside down as well. This is what's been happening as we encounter Jesus in this story today. Way back in chapter 9, Jesus sets his face on Jerusalem. That's where he's headed. That's where his ministry is going to take him. And by the things he says, particularly in our lesson today, we know that Jesus is aware of what awaits him in Jerusalem. But the Pharisees come to Jesus and warn him, saying, you've made some big enemies along the way, and the one big bad enemy, Herod, wants you dead, Jesus. Now, I know we hear Pharisees, and that might be a buzzword of our biblical understanding. We might think enemy alert when the Pharisees come to Jesus. Jesus is always butting heads with the Pharisees, so it, here he is with enemies explaining enemies to him. But that's not really the case in this story. The Pharisees aren't really his enemy. It's important to realize that the Pharisees aren't the enemy for multiple reasons. First and foremost, for our modern context, we need to know that the Pharisees aren't the enemy because modern Judaism has largely followed the Pharisaic way. They are not the enemy. The Pharisees were focused on reforming the temple. The religion of Judaism at the time was focused around the temple, and they wanted to reform this, saying the temple in Jerusalem had become corrupt and that one did not need the temple to worship God. One only needed to follow the law. On this point, the Pharisees and Jesus were in total agreement. So what we see in this story today is the Pharisees coming to Jesus, their natural ally in temple reform, and saying, Jesus, slow your roll. We're with you, but you're going to get killed. Don't take us down with you. Don't make Herod too mad. Don't turn the world upside down. This is where Jesus took exception. This is where the divide was created. The Pharisees preached earnestly the importance of following the letter of the law and came toe to toe with Jesus when he seemed to not follow the letter of the law. Jesus took this value of the law a step, maybe a leap further by saying, don't just follow the letter of the law, follow the heart of the law. That was the place the Pharisees didn't want to go. Jesus proclaimed a God of love, a God of compassion, a God of covenant who gives the law that we might follow, but grants grace that we might have life everlasting. Jesus teaches the heart of the law, compassion, mercy, love, and grace. Jesus was turning the world upside down, but he was telling all of us what was bolted to the floor. This message was deeply troubling, which is why the Pharisees say, Jesus, slow your roll. This scene as it unfolds today reminds me of one of my favorite lines from the hit musical Hamilton. 
In it, Alexander Hamilton has his foil, his nemesis is Aaron Burr, Thomas Jefferson's vice president. And Aaron Burr is always cautioning the revolutionaries in the early part of the musical, saying, lower your voices. Don't make a stand. Don't let anyone know what you're about. You're going to get shot. My favorite line is when Hamilton fires back at those who would dismiss him as being naive or out of touch or too young or too unexperienced and unaware of the ways of the world. And he says, I'm past patiently waiting. I'm passionately smashing every expectation. Every action is an act of creation. I hear the same frustration in Jesus' voice today. Don't slow me down. I'm past patiently waiting. I'm passionately smashing your expectations of what my movement is all about. I am ushering in a new creation. And you go tell that fox for me that I'm coming, that I'm healing, that I'm casting out demons. And in this work, Jesus calls us into naming the foxes of our day. These things that proclaim only death and despair to God's people. Jesus is doing the work of God's justice for the sake of the world. Jesus is doing the work of liberation. Jesus is humbling the mighty and lifting the lowly. Jesus is turning the world upside down. And he is earnestly begging us to get in on this work of justice because he knows that it's a matter of life and death. It's not just a matter of Jesus's life and death. It's a matter of our life and death, of our neighbor's life and death. This week showed us that. This week, a gunman walked in to a prayer service in two different mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, rebrandished his weapon, adorned with white supremacist slogans, carrying a white supremacist manifesto, heralding voices of white supremacy around the world, and killed 49 worshipers in a Muslim community, predominantly immigrants and refugees, seeking a place of peace and safety where their families could live and worship. White supremacy is rearing its evil head in many ways these days. It is no longer content to be the foundation of a Western society built by slave labor and exploitation. It's no longer content to quietly unleash its vengeance through structure and legislation against those it sees as lesser. White supremacy is becoming brazen and public in many troubling and deadly ways. White supremacy is stoning the prophets of our world and silencing those who seek the peace of the mother hen who gathers in her brood. This is the world that we're being sent to turn upside down. Look, there are many ways that we can turn the world upside down in faith, but none of them seem quite as pressing today as the issue of white supremacy. It's the fox that must be named But when we turn this world of white supremacy upside down, we might not like what we find. We might find ourselves falling with the hymnals and the banners and the candles. We'll find the ways that we ourselves have been complicit in little ways and in big ways. And if that's the case, amen. So let it be. We're meant to fall, to see this world in this new way. But even in our own falling and confronting of this world that needs to be turned upside down, we will find a sign of hope. We will find those things that are bolted to the floor, what is structural and what matters. We find our shared humanity, the image of the divine that we all bear, unchanging in each one of us. 
We will find God's unfailing love for all people standing the test of time. We will see what is rooted and true. God's love is bolted to the floor. God's grace is the carpet that isn't going anywhere. God's peace, which reconciles the nations, which gathers us in like a mother hen, is foundational and will remain, even when the world gets turned upside down. This is the truth that we build our lives around as we follow our gospel calling to name the foxes, to confront evil and all forces that would defy God. The world will shift and turn under our feet, but we are called to remain fixed on what remains, that which belongs to God. This work of repentance, of turning to God and turning the world might be a sudden and life-changing act, just like our world being turned on its head. But the work of the faithful is to walk in this new life and to reconcile the mess we find. That is the slow, diligent, restorative work of repentance that is so deeply needed in our world. As I said before, there are countless other ways that we can talk about the world turning. Justice for the poor, environmental justice, offering grace and forgiveness to those who have wronged us. The list goes on and on. In each of these, signs of grace and love will turn the world on its head in its own way. And I could have focused on any one of those things today, but I didn't. We need to name the foxes. We need to name white supremacy because this evil is faced day in and day out. It's costing lives right here and right now. And I believe this is where Christ is calling the church to meet the needs of the world. Jesus is already at work, turning the world upside down by his very presence, through his unfailing love. But this world turned upside down won't let us off the hook. It's not going to let us get away unscathed. And yet we know that through it all, God's grace is foundational. God's love is unconditional. God will be there when we turn, catching us as we fall, maybe, accompanying us as we seek to orient ourselves might be a better way to understand it, that we might walk in this new world with a new hope. This is the faith of a people committed to turning the world upside down on powers of injustice and sin. This deeply needed work of justice here on earth, work that reveals God's kingdom here and now and makes the peace of God known like a mother hen gathering her brood, this work demands our lives, our security, and our faith. And we can't do this alone. We must do this in community, listening to the voices of the oppressed and honoring their leadership in the way forward that seeks reconciliation. We must do this in community, talking through difficult conversations with our neighbors, with our friends, with our peers, and even with our families. This holy work of repentance for the sake of our neighbors who are being crushed by the systems of injustice is difficult, but it is life-giving. It is the same life-giving work that Christ has poured into our lives. We are called always to remember what Christ has done for us. We are sent to share the hope of this gift through the uplift of others. Through it all, we are called to keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on the cross of Christ, our sure and unchanging source of life and hope, a sign that will stand even when the world is turned upside down. Amen.